At Riverbank, we believe you can heal, grow, and fulfill God's plans for your life as the power of God touches you through this prophetic teaching by Pastor Dominion. Get excited and hop into it. So we started a series in church titled Fighting Temptation, and today we are narrowing down to fighting addiction. Say fighting addiction. Now, because I know that the way people handle addiction, people would usually go to two different extremes. Some people would see a sermon like this and say, well, there's no addiction in my life, so I don't need it. And so now other people would tilt to the other extreme. Where because there's one habit they are perpetually struggling with, they will narrow down on it and want to focus on it in this sermon, not realizing that there may be more things we are, they are struggling with. So at the end, they win the battle and they lose the war. Because even though one addiction has been knocked off, there are many more that are standing in their lives. So because of that reason, I decided to give you the definition of addiction. I'm giving you a definition from mentalhelp.net. It says, addiction is the repeated involvement with a substance or an activity despite substantial harm it now causes because involvement was or may be pleasurable or valuable. You want me to repeat it? I see that some of you are writing. I have good students in church, so I'm going to repeat it. Addiction is the repeated involvement with a substance or activity despite the substantial harm that it now causes. Some people are like, don't define addiction to me. I know what it is. <laughs> you think? Let me finish that definition. Because the involvement was and may continue to be pleasurable or valuable. This is a wholesome definition of addiction. However, there are two things I want us to pick from this definition. Two important things. The first is that addiction might have to do with substance. Prescription drugs, alcohol, and sometimes it's activity. Obvious activities like consumption of illicit materials, activities like self-pleasure. But you know what? Activities like your job, your business, your work. When you hear someone say, I'm a workaholic, It just might be an addiction. Activities like the internet. The second thing to pick out is substantial harm. 
So, because of your involvement in your business, your involvement in your job, it has substantial harm on other important aspects of your life. Family life is going down. We've seen parents that because of their involvement in their job, trying to provide money for their children, were not involved in the life of the children, thereby creating substantial harm. The way you are going, you are neglecting friends and loved ones. You might turn around one day and realize you have children that have grown up, left the house, and you never knew them. Because time flies very quickly. Substantial harm. Because of your involvement with your job, you are not praying. You are not involved in church. Why are you not servicing, serving in church? Why are you not going out for evangelism? Why are you not praying? See, you know that my business, you know it's very time-consuming. My school. Aha. Uh -huh. Substantial harm. Substantial harm. Or should we talk about the internet? <laughs> you see, you are not addicted. But if we take your, if we say drop your phone for one day, we we'll see withdrawal symptoms. Is it not true? You start behaving like oh my, you'll be restless. It has substantial harm on your mental health. Some of you, when you go online, you are triggered. It affects your mental health, but you can't stop. You can't stop stalking your ex. Substantial harm. So maybe we are more addicted to more things than we know. You see, you don't have time. But when we check how many hours you were on social media you realize that maybe a quarter or a third of your day was gone. Some of you don't realize you actually spend up to six hours online. I'm sure I spent less time than most people in this church on social media. And when, they, when my phone gives me the report of my daily average, I'm surprised. I'm seeing two hours 30-something minutes, 2 hours, 40 minutes, and I am hardly online. So you that live there, <laughs> you clock 6, 7 hours, 8 hours. It's meant to be on 9 to 5. The amount of time you are spending. But you don't have time for prayer. You are praying. Two minutes, you want to check your phone. Substantial harm. Somebody wants to talk to you. Communicate something that is really on their heart. We are like, be talking. You're on your phone. Person is like, don't worry. You can't just look around and look at the eyes of people and realize that this person is hurting. Substantial harm. You can't connect with people because you're on your phone. Substantial harm. Now, the truth is this. 
Struggling with habits is almost as old as humanity. That's what we don't realize. There is a way we think that it's just a modern day, you know, 21st century phenomenon. No, that's not true. And people in all of human history have struggled with addiction. I know it's difficult for you to think about what your grandfather would have struggled with. Was he struggling with famine? Or Abraham? But all of human history has always struggled. And that's one of the things that makes what we're learning today very profound. Because the Bible gives us an answer to a problem all of humanity has struggled with and couldn't find an answer. And to be honest, psychologists have tried to help people with, you know, handling habits, handling addictions. But you see, the Bible profiles such a profound solution, reliable solution, tested and trusted. And I'm not going to keep you in suspense for long on what the Bible solution to overcoming addiction is. The only thing I want you to do this morning is follow me patiently. Are you ready? Are you ready? Romans chapter 7. We'll read from verse 14 to verse 19. Okay, it's projected. Read together, everybody. One to go. For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, sold under sin. I can't hear you. One to go. But I am carnal. Next verse, he says, For that which I do not, sorry, for that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that, and that which I hate, I. KJV always stresses me. My NIV says, We know that the law is spiritual, verse 14. He says, But I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave. Ha. Have you felt that way before? Sold as a slave, handicapped to sin. He says, I do not understand what I do. For what I want, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. For if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it. But it's sin living in me. He says, For I know what is good. Sorry, for I know that good itself does not dwell in me. That is in my sinful nature. He says, For I desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. There are fewer verses in scripture that describe our addictions like this one. Story of your life. And so I agree. I agree with God. This is bad. This is good. The problem is I feel handicapped and helpless. Some of you might resonate with verse 17. It says, but now, it is no longer I. It's sin that is living in me. Because you've, 
even your desires. Some of you thought you were not serious about the addiction enough. You decided, maybe last year or the previous year or this year, you say, this thing will die this year. Whatever it takes, I'm going to put in the work. And the year passed. And maybe you had victory for a few days or a few hours. But you ended up the same way. I hear what I'm saying. Response, I hear what I'm saying. Some of you promised God. You asked for forgiveness. Say, God, I promise you, I won't do it again. Some cried. Weeped. Uh, wept. I said wept. Wept. Some fasted. Yet. Because if you have a bunch of keys, it doesn't matter how much you turn the keys. If it's not the right key, the door would not open. If I give you the keys to my house and it's a bunch of keys, if one is for the entrance, one is for the bedroom, one is for the sitting room, one is for the kitchen, if you use the wrong key, even though it works in that house, if you put it in the wrong door, it won't turn. So even if the principles are biblical kingdom principles, if it's not the principle for overcoming temptation, it won't work. Are you hearing what I'm saying? This is why your fasting hasn't worked. This is why your prayers haven't worked. This is why your resolutions haven't worked. Because even if they are kingdom principles, you must use the right key. Now skip to verse 24. I want us to all read this one together. Verse 24. Read together, everybody wants to go. I like the way the NIV puts it. He says, what a wretched man that I am. Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? Hi. Have you felt that way before? Who will help me now? Then he says, thanks be to God. Glory to God. He said, thanks be to God who has delivered me through Christ Jesus our Lord. Glory to God. Say, thanks be to God who has delivered me. That's the solution. That's actually the solution. So, think about this. Picture this. You are in a pit. Deep pit. No water. No matter how hard you try to get out, you only realize how more hopeless you are. You know that's how addiction is. The harder you try to overcome, the more convinced you are that you're actually in big trouble. And so somebody sees you in pit, the pit and says, oh, wretched man, who will help you? Imagine it's a desert. There's no stick, no rope, nothing deep, in, nothing long enough to bring you out. Who can help you? And then the person comes back a few minutes later and sees you standing outside. 
He said, who delivered you? Who brought you out? You say, thanks be to God who has delivered me. That's how to overcome. This is what he's saying. He says, I'm a wretched man. Who will help me? And he says, thanks be to God who has brought me out. So the Bible's solution for overcoming habit is that God brings you out of it. God brings you out. Is this the method? Has this been your strategy of overcoming? No? Exactly why you've not overcome yet. This is the exact reason. Because even though you are meant to put in efforts, the summary of how you overcame would be thanks be to God who has delivered me. I'm telling you, that's the answer. This is the most important lesson in overcoming addiction. That what I want to do, I could not do. The things I hate, that's what I do. Who will help me now? If you know the true formula and you apply it, by the time you win the victory and you look back, you say, thanks be to God. So your deliverance is the work of God. You've been trying to do his work. That's why it's impossible. It's hard because it's not you that is meant to carry it. You think it's bigger than you. It's true. It's not, you're not meant to deliver yourself. This is not a burden for you to bear. Thanks be to God. I mean, this spirit of addiction, no matter how hard I strive to try and come out, I see how hopeless I am. Who will help me? When you finally unlock the secrets, and you overcome, you say, oh, God was the one that delivered me. So if you've been trying to deliver yourself, you've been doing it wrong. <laughs> That's why you're struggling. Oh, say thanks be to God who has delivered me. Say one more time. Say thanks be to God who has delivered me. Not who will deliver me. I know you are waiting for him to deliver you. You want to know the steps on how to deliver you? No. He just finished saying, Oh, wretched man that I am, who will deliver me? And in the next breath, he says, Thanks be to God who has delivered me. Now, when you go to Romans chapter 8 from verse 1 down to verse 3, he continues the conversation. He says, Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Verse 2. Read together, everybody, as loud as you can, want to go. Stop. I'm not convinced with how loud you're reading it. Read it together again, want to go. I've always said an easy way to read this particular verse is to take away the word, these two words, the law of, and also here again, the law of. When you take it, you understand it. Because as you read it, you didn't get what you were reading. 
So let me read it how you understand it. For the spirit of life in Christ had made me free from sin. Oh, you don't seem like you understand. He says the spirit that gives life in Christ has made me free. Did he say he would make you free? Did he say when you pray he would make you free? Did he say when you struggle and you try he will make you free? He says the spirits, God's spirits that gives life, that gives you eternal life, the spirit he gave you when you believed. He said he has made you free from sin. That's it. That's it. It is spiritual reality. You must realize that there are three realms of existence. There's the spirit realm. Where God exists. There's the intellectual realm. Where intellect, academics, knowledge prevails. There's the physical realm. He says, in the realm of the spirits, in your spirits, God has brought you out of that addiction. He goes on to say, for what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did. He said, for what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin, condemned sin in the flesh. So, I know the law of God is good. It says, do this. It says, this is bad, I agree. It says, this is good, I agree. The problem was, I could not do it. He says, what the law was powerless to do. The law could have told you what was right and wrong, but couldn't help you. It couldn't deliver you. He says, what the law was weak to do, God has done. So, if you are waiting for God to do something, you are wrong. You have chosen to not believe what he said he has done. I'm not saying you are seeing it yet. I'm saying agree. I hear what I'm saying? In your spirit, you've been set free. In your spirit, that addiction does not have a hold on you. You are like, but I don't feel it. That's where faith comes to play. I define faith as confidence in your own thing. Hebrews 11.1. 1. I like the NIV. It says, faith is the confidence in what you hope for. So, I hope to overcome, but I'm confident. Do you see that? Are you hearing me? I hope to overcome, but I'm confident. I'm confident. I'm not afraid. I'm confident. He says, and the assurance in what you've not seen, meaning I've not seen it with my eyes. I've not experienced it physically, but I'm sure. Oh, glory to God. Imagine that's how you were this morning. Listen, if you came to receive steps, tricks, hacks, 
You are, look, you are using the right key for the wrong door. I'm showing you what the Bible says. You've tried all your hacks. It hasn't worked. Let me show you what the word of God says. You might not have seen it, but you must be confident. I've overcome. God has delivered me. He has set me free. But I can see inconsistencies in your life. It doesn't matter. Let God be true and all men liars. Let God be true and my experiences liars. Let God be true and my history, how I feel, how I judge myself be a lie. Even if I'm falling every day, let God be true and everything else liars. If you can do this one thing, I can assure you under God, you will overcome. Let God be true. Do you know why? The reason is this. Whether you believe it or not, God has done it already. You might not experience it. You might not feel it. You might still be failing. You might still be struggling. But God is not a liar. So like we said, faith is, I might not have seen it, but I'm confident. Hebrews 11.1, 1, the Amplified Classic says, Perceiving as real facts, what is not revealed to your senses. Meaning, how I feel, what I see, what I remember, I must accept as facts what I cannot see externally. So if God said he has done it for my, in my spirit, I would believe it. What's happening is this. In your spirit, there's victory. In your soul, in your mind, you are agreeing. You are aligning with what God has said. It's only a matter of time. It would manifest in your physical. The way we, over, we are trying to overcome is that we are trying to start from the physical. That's not God's formula. God's formula is that I would win the victory. This is, this is the bedrock. This is the seed. This is where everything about overcoming comes from. So when you plant a seed, every other thing you see, the tree trunk, the flowers, the fruits, is on the basis of the quality of the seed. So the seed, where it starts from, the crux of the whole thing, is that God has delivered my spirits. He has brought out that thing in me that makes me unable to overcome. Praise the name of the Lord. This is why I said, when you finally overcome, you say this is the summary. Thanks be to God who has delivered me. <laughs> say thanks be to God who has delivered me. So you might be struggling, but you've been delivered. You might be trying your best, but you've been delivered. Because God's formula is this. I will deliver you in your spirits. Then if you are going to experience it externally, you must believe what I've said. No matter how much you are falling, you must believe. So when the devil comes to tempt you, and say you are going to fall again today, you say, thanks be to God who has delivered me. That thing inside of me that makes me fall, God has taken it away. 
there's no need for fear. Till you fall. He's like, I told you I'm going to fall. You say, thanks be to God. The Bible says something. It says, why we look not at the things which are seen, but the things which are unseen. He said, for the things which are seen are temporal. They can change. He said, the things which are eternal are unseen are eternal. Those ones don't change. Your victory is hinged on what God has done. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Thank you, Lord. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Read together. It's projected. Everybody. One to go. Everybody. One to go. He says, and be not conformed to this world. This is so beautiful. Hey. So, God said he has delivered me. I want to believe that. But how am I not going to conform, align to the ways of this world? How am I going to overcome sinful patterns and sinful habits? He said, you will not conform to this world, but you will be transformed. That transformation you're looking for, that person that does not struggle, he said you'll be transformed by renewing your mind. So, so far, God hasn't said you should try anything yet. He hasn't said you should stop yet. He hasn't said you should, you know, fight, struggle yet. He says, I've delivered you. He says, and if you are going to experience transformation, if you are going to change into that person, that doesn't fall. He says, you are transformed by changing your mindset from, I'm addicted to this, to God has delivered me from this. This is where the work is. Praise the name of the Lord. This is where the work is. Meaning your current mindset cannot support the transformation you're looking for. If you're going to be transformed, to be that person that's like, oh my God, addiction is gone. It starts with renewing your mind. He didn't say, when you are transformed, then renew your mind. That's not what he said. He didn't say, when you are free from addiction, then change your mindset and begin to say, I'm no more addicted. He says, no! You will not conform to this world, but you will be transformed. The physical one is the end. The transformation is a result. Overcoming habit is a result of mind renewal. You must fight that battle and win. Let God be true. If he says he has delivered me, even if I struggle, I'll believe. Even if I fall, I'll believe. On good days, I believe. Not that if you overcome for three days, you say, oh, God has delivered me. Then you fall. You say, oh, I'm back in it. No! Let God be true. Thanks be to God who has delivered me. Praise the name of the Lord. Psalm 119, verse 11. 
Psalm 119. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Verse 11. Like we said last week, please don't read the birth parts. Read it together, everybody. Want to go? Read it again. Want to go? Oh boy, I love this one. The Amplified Classic says, How can a young man cleanse his ways? Oh, I'm into this, I'm into this, I need a cleanup. How can a young man cleanse his ways? He says, By taking heed and keeping watch on himself according to the word. This is important. He says, watching yourself according to the word. Watching yourself according to the word. Say that after me. Watching myself according to the word. We're going to demonstrate it. Please say, watching myself according to the word. He didn't say, watching yourself. Evaluating yourself. Judging yourself by the last time you fell. Oh, it's been three months. So, I've overcome. No. Watching yourself, not by how regularly you fall. Watching yourself, not by how you feel. Meaning, when I look at me, that's watching yourself. What's my, what's my conclusion? Oh, I'm addicted. Oh, I'm struggling. Why? Because this is my experience. No, watching yourself according to the word. This is mind renewal. How can a young man, it's clear, you can't miss it. How can a young man cleanse his ways? He says, by watching himself, not by his experiences, not by his struggle, but according to the word. Colossians chapter 3, verse 10. He says, and put on the new man. <laughs> How can, I, how can I wear that new person that God has made me? He says, and having put on the new man, this one that God said you are, how can I make it my experience? He says, and put on the new man, which is renewed in knowledge after the image. You must accept the knowledge of God's word. What God has said. Praise the name of the Lord. So what's number one way of overcoming? You don't know. <laughs> Accepting a new, the new perspective. Accepting the new perspective that God has delivered you. That's the number one step. That's the first step. Accepting the new perspective. You must accept it. Listen, I've shown you too many scriptures for you to be a lie. And I didn't just show you flippant scriptures. I showed you scriptures that talk about overcoming. And it says you are transformed by renewing your mind. You must accept the new perspective that you have been delivered. Number two. Born bridges. Say born bridges. 
Oh, this is important. You must identify what your weaknesses are and burn the bridges that connect you to them. That's what it means. Because if you overcome for three days, the temptation still plans to come back. If you overcome for a month, it plans to come back. In Luke chapter 4, verse 13, the Bible says, when the devil had ended all temptation, that's the devil tempting Jesus. You know what the Bible said? He says he departed for him for a season. He plans to come back. So when you overcome for three days, but you don't burn the bridges that connect you to it, the devil would walk on the bridge and come back to you. You must burn the bridge. You must burn everything that connects you to that weakness. I hear what I'm saying? And this is the one that many of us just don't want to do. If you accept the new perspective, but you don't burn bridges, you will still struggle. Victory would always seem like it is close, but you would still fail. For example, I'm going to give you a few examples. Let's say you're a classy person, you like to dress trendy. And so there are a few people you follow online. And we don't like to respect ourselves. You are following billionaires. You are following celebrities. You are following travel bloggers or vloggers. <laughs> but you don't have transport to come to church. You are following people. You're following people. You want to be, let's say, for example, you want to be a travel vlogger. Travel around the world, take videos, take pictures, comment on things, and they pay you for it. But you're not there yet. And then there are people you are following. And you are just, it's just making you feel like a failure. Substantial harm. You see what I'm saying? You're meant to burn the bridge. Unfollow them. There are people you're following online that make you dissatisfied about your life. Your normal income that you've been earning since. Your pocket money that was enough for you. Now you're following some people. Maybe online or on ground as friends. Now you're dissatisfied. Your phone that you've been using to answer calls, send messages, laugh at memes, now is annoying to you. Bond bridges. I'm not saying that you don't you won't get better. I'm saying there's substantial harm. I hear what I'm saying. You can be discontent and want to do more without hating yourself, being angry, and locking your joy in the future. When I get that new phone, then I will be happy. What kind of life is that? Have you not been alive enough? Long enough to realize there would always be a newer phone. And have you not really been alive long enough to realize some people are not your mates? 
They say new iPhone is coming out. People have pre-ordered. They are queuing for six hours. Go and buy your iPhone 6. Don't disturb yourself. Maybe in your mind, when you're going to Macafree Plaza, you're like, is it that I buy a used iPhone 8? Or I'll buy a brand new iPhone 7 Plus? By the time you get there, you realize it's 6 your money can buy. Buy it, drink water, and rest. You are... You you are watching videos of people that destroy new iPhones. They'll buy it, they'll unwrap it and destroy it. Now you're feeling bad. Born bridges. Are you hear what I'm saying? Born bridges. They might be in your career path, and maybe later, when you've learned to be content, you'll follow them back. But for now, leave some friendships. Ah, this one. Let me tell you something. Let me be honest with you. Hmm? Some of you, I'm not a prophet of doom, right? But you will never overcome until you leave that friendship. Pray all you want. After the service, come, tell me, lay hands on me. I want to receive grace for overcoming. Fast from now till the end of the year. There are some friendships that are fueling that addiction. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15.33, it says, don't be deceived. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good habits. Evil company corrupts good, um, corrupt good habits. Don't be deceived. Don't be deceived. Leave those people alone. Listen, it doesn't matter what other benefits you are getting from them. Look at what your life looks like. Look at what your life looks like. You see, this is a mentor in my career. He's a mentor in business. Look at what your life looks like. Trust God. The Bible says, woe is him who trusts in man. God can bring somebody else. This is why people stay in toxic relationships. Leave him alone. Leave him. She has told you she doesn't want. Leave her. So I just want to know if you want to reconsider. No, we're not reconsidering. Go. Move on. You are in a relationship with someone. See? Or even in friendship. And then, it's always making you do the wrong things. Don't you see? So I don't know what God's word said about it. Don't be deceived. Evil company corrupt good habits. Are you hear what I'm saying? You've struggled, you've prayed, you've done resolution, you've decided on your own, you've decided collectively, it's not working. That's not how it works. You're born the bridge. You guys might meet in the future, but for now. Listen, you know why I don't like this point? Because many people won't do it. It doesn't matter what you say. 
Have you not seen people like that? The guy is toxic. The lady is toxic. They are friends that are toxic, but they will never leave them. They will betray you again and again, again and again. Even Jesus did it once. What's the problem? Are you hear what I'm saying? Go and heal outside. Later in the future, you guys will meet again. But for now, evil company corrupts good habits. Burn the bridges. Stop gratifying the flesh. I hear what I'm, doing. I'm saying. Stop. 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 No matter how little, don't gratify the flesh. Are you hearing me? Abominate idleness from your mind. This is one of the bridges you need to burn. Billy Graham said this. Oh, I heard that Billy Graham said this. Some temptations come to everybody. But all temptations come to idle people. You know people like that. They don't go to work. They don't go anywhere. They just sit down. The gist of everybody they have. Some temptations come to everybody. But all temptations. You know, it is said that the idle mind is the devil's workshop. That's where he sits down to craft things. Stop being idle. You know the challenge with our generation? We are deceitful. We have a false image, a false presentation of busyness. Everybody's busy. I don't have time. I don't have time. But why does your phone say you were online on social media for eight hours? But you don't have time. What are you feeding yourself? Are you feeding yourself with things that would help you overcome? You're feeding yourself with things that will pollute you. Here's what I'm saying. Between your last temptation and your next temptation, Kabatai, you must be burning bridges. You must be burning bridges. Whatever made you fall will not make you rise. Leave it. You see, some of you, even if the Lord comes to tell you this thing by yourself, you will not do it. Whatever made you fall will not do what? Exactly. What are you meant to do? Open your mouth. What are you meant to do? Exactly. Avoid and absolutely forbid unguarded and unnecessary conversation. So what are you doing? Eh. What are you wearing? Are you fashion police? I'm wearing the whole armor of God. Leave me alone.
How can you walk when you don't know the way of the spirit? Hmm. Hmm. So for you, let's say for example, you are the you are the one asking the question. You know, we always assume that the people in our church are the ones they're asking. No. Sometimes <laughs> we are the askers. So sometimes you might feel like if you realize that this particular person is a temptation for you. If you realize that around this person, negative thoughts always cross your mind. Leave the person alone. That's the solution, no. That's the solution. You just block the person's number on your phone, on your WhatsApp, and delete it. You can even be radical. Go and cause trouble. Make sure the person now hates you and doesn't want to talk to you again. <laughs> you are going radical to deliver yourself. See, I will overcome. I'll pray more. You did play. Don't be deceived. Evil company. Do you get what I'm saying? Joseph didn't tell Potiphar's wife. Say, see, you know these things. Look, God doesn't want you to be doing this. He ran. I hear what I'm saying. So flee every appearance of evil. Avoid unnecessary conversation and you know unguarded conversations. Number three. First of all, what was number one? What is number one? What's number two? Number three. Exchange your weakness for his strength. Colossians chapter three and verse five. <laughs> Let me tell you something. This point I've been giving you. It's very obvious that many of us have not been doing any of them. And you're surprised that you're struggling. <laughs> Colossians chapter 3 and verse 5. Can we have it projected? It says, therefore, mortify therefore your members which are upon the earth. Read it together, everybody wants to go. I hear you. He says, therefore put to death your members. Ah! Look at that. So, this is a build up on the second one. Everything we've been doing has been a build up. Number one was to violently attack and fight that mindset that makes addiction a normal part of your self-identity. Attack it violently. That mindset that has made addiction a part of your self-identity. That's number one. Number two was to stifle whatever makes those addictions conducive and makes them thrive in your life. Number three is kill the addiction. Kill those desires 
by investing and adopting new desires. Listen, nature abhors vacuum. If you take away the desires, kill the desires, but you don't fill it with something else, they will come back. Jesus in his teaching said, if a demon is expelled from a person, it will go away. Wander around. But when he comes back, so it will come back. He sees the place clean. Nothing has occupied the person. The person is not doing anything. He's not occupied with anything. Nothing makes him excited. Nothing preoccupies him. Nothing takes his time. There's nothing that he's doing that satisfies him. He will come back. He says the latter end of that person will be worse than his former. So, he says, mortify therefore your members. Kill that thing in you. How do you do that? Colossians 3.1. He says, if you were raised with Christ, if you have been risen with Christ, he says, seek those things which are above. So now he tells you what to do. He says, kill this thing. Look, seek. The NIV says, set your affection on the things that are above. Tell your neighbor, set your affection on the things that are above. Look at your neighbor, preach it to them like a very serious African mother. Set your affection on the things above. Listen. You must replace habits. You must replace habits. So what will you start doing now? Are you going to be seeking the things that are, God, that are godly? Are you going to desire to be praying? Are you going to desire to be reading your Bible? Are you going to desire to be evangelizing, winning souls? The time you should be evangelizing, winning souls, preaching to people, you're asking somebody, what are you wearing? Do you know how depraved that is? Oh my goodness, you are bigger than that. But an I do mind. An I do mind. You kill those desires by developing new desires. Desire the things of God. Galatians chapter 5, verse 16. This one I want you to read as loud as you can. Galatians 5, 16. Please, everybody read together. I want to go. Everybody, please, want to go. One more time, want to go. Do you know how powerful this is? He says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. So apparently it's not just something I'm bringing up. It's what the Bible teaches. How am I not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh? He said, walk in the spirit. How am I going to overcome this habit that I struggled with? He says, walk in the spirit. You must desire the things of God. Preoccupy yourself with it. 
Let your life be so booked, so choked with the things of God that when the devil wants to book an appointment, he realizes there's no place on your schedule for him. Walk in the spirits. Walk in the spirits. Walk in the spirits. What we think the Bible will say is don't walk in the flesh. Then you will do the things of God. That's not what he said. He doesn't say don't walk after the flesh. And then you can follow God. He says, walk in the spirits. And then you will not fulfill the loss of the flesh. So pray. Pray, pray. Why are you the one that is cold during prayer? Why? Why? Pray. Read your Bible. You have time. Don't tell me you have time. You have time. Read your Bible. You don't have time, but you have time to fall for addiction. You've refused to create time to walk in the spirits. Now you're saying you're struggling with the walls of the flesh. What were you expecting? Every excuse you give for unseriousness with spirituality accommodates lost even more. You're saying, you know, I can't evangelize because I'm not perfect. Who in the world is perfect? Say, I don't know what to say. Follow the people that are going and just be listening. Be there. This was what our parents taught us when we were growing up. When they take you for vigil, even if you sleep throughout, you will sleep there. You will sleep there. Be there. Be in church. Say, you know, I've gone too far, so I can't go to church. Where does it make sense? You know, I'm, I'm too much of an illiterate, I can't go to school. So how will you know book? You know, I'm too sick, I can't go to hospital. So how will you be healed? I'm too much of a sinner, I can't go to church. How would you not fulfill the loss of the flesh? Walk in the spirits. Make sure nothing takes you out of church. You must do what is counterintuitive. Instead of coming late to church, you come early. You pray. Instead of praying cold prayer, you pray fervent prayer. Walk in the spirits. I'm telling you what to do now. No prayer time should meet you cold. When people see you, they'll think, ah, this person doesn't have any loss of the flesh. Eh, eh. I am walking in the spirits. That is how I will overcome. Are you hear what I'm saying? When they see you reading your Bible, listening to sermons, they'll say, ah, this one is hot. Oh, eh, eh. This is how I will become hot. There was this revival prayer we gave you last week. How many of you used them to pray? Say so to make you pray for 30 minutes or at least one hour. To pray one hour with this thing, you have to rush the prayer. In the name of Jesus, every soul that is ordained for the... You have to rush it. So you're like, oh, I don't know what to pray about. See, pray, see what to pray about. By the time you invest one hour or 30 minutes, praying every day personally. Ah. The devil said that's a no-go area. Invest also in a compelling dream. Your business, your academics, your career. Don't just be 
lukewarm, cold, you are the second to the last in the class. I said, at least I'm not the last person. <laughs> Be serious. Choose. Do you understand? Read. Study. When you give room for the Spirit of God, the devil won't have room in your life. He will kick him out. I hear what I'm saying? When you're on fire for God, the devil has to run away. The final thing is prayer. And I'll just say this over two minutes. Now, listen. The disciples of Jesus came to him and said, teach us how to pray. Meaning there's how to pray. The Bible also says, pray with all prayers and supplications in the spirit. It means there are different types of prayers. Now, from what we have already learned, if you say, God, deliver me, you are wrong. Because you do not, you are not confident in what you have not seen. God said, I have delivered you, and let God be true, and all men liars. So, I cannot say, God, deliver me when I'm praying. This is why the scripture we read, Romans 7.24, he says, thanks be to God who has delivered me. That's prayer, because prayer is talking to God. Do you get what I'm saying? So, the way you should pray is something I've I've called self-talk. You must accept, acknowledge the things that God has said concerning you. Ah, this is one of the most effective ways to pray to overcome habits. It's actually the most effective. When you put the word of God on your lips, when it crosses your mind, they are going to fall again. God has delivered me. God has delivered me. God has delivered me. Do you see that? Self-talk. Even if you fall, God has delivered me. God has delivered me. God has delivered me. Whatever makes me to be addicted has been taken away. Confidence in the unseen. Say it 150 times every day. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Let me tell you what the Bible says. Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. It says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. Do you realize that the principle of prayer is pray without ceasing? Do you know that that's what the Bible says? Do you know that's what the Bible says? So, First of all, I've said, you can't say, God, deliver me, because it means you are, in, you are in unbelief. But even with saying the right things, you must say it without ceasing, on your own, under your breath, in the morning, in the afternoon, in the evening, when you wake up in the night. Hi, we are tempted. God has delivered me. Because with temptation, what you focus on is what would happen. If you focus on your victory, you would eventually overcome. This is why many times when you are very busy, say maybe during a camp meeting, there's an event, you are busy. You even remember that you used to be addicted to something. It's then when everything has now finished and everything has now calmed down. Because what you focus on, do you get what I'm saying? So when you focus on your victory, 
You see it with confidence. You are not saying it like you are not sure. God has delivered me. Thanks be to God who has delivered me. Confidence. The way some of you pray. Ah, your journey might be long ago. I'm telling you. The Bible says heartfelt prayer. Heartfelt. Let it come from the depth of your being. Listen. Scream it with everything inside of you. It will shut that temptation. That's what will happen. Because temptations are suggestive thoughts. You can shut it down. You can shut it down. When you see the way Jesus responded to things like that, you should learn something from it. When the devil threw Peter, brought the suggestive thoughts that Jesus should not die. Say, get it behind me, Satan. Do you think he said, get it behind me? It's not my portion. Get it behind me. Do you get what I'm saying? I've overcome. I'm a victor. I'm a victor. I'm a victor. I would overcome. I've overcome. I'm empowered to overcome. God has delivered me. The power of God is working in me. The desire of God is fueling my life. That's how to talk. Whether you are tempted or you are not tempted, that's how to talk. Self-talk to yourself. This book of the law shall not depart from your own mouth. It says you think about it. Day and night. This is what you do between temptations. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You are not just saying it. You are, you are saying it with all your being. Holy anger. Are you hear what I'm saying? Generate holy anger. Ah, ah! How long? God has delivered me. Picture it. Try and picture it. Say it with all the vex. Let the devil be mad. Shut his voice. And you know what the Bible says? It says you shall have whatsoever you see. I say say it 150 times every day. Say it. Say it. The Bible says concerning the woman with the issue of blood. If you read the Amplified, the Bible says she kept saying, if I touch the hem of his garment, I'll be healed. As she touched, because you have whatsoever you see. Have you been blessed this morning? Please rise up on your feet. Oh, goodness. Glory to God.